Welcome. If you're a woman who has a sense that there's more out there for you, you're in the right place. I'm Whitney Baker, host of the Electric Ideas podcast. Somewhere along the line of working kids, life carried on, but I lost track of my truth. I'm on a reflective journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. Each week, I interview a woman who is lighting her own path and offering others hope. Before our conversation ends, we'll share a reflective question for you to explore. Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas and Happy New Year. Hope 2023 is off to a fabulous start for you so far. We are kicking the new year off at Electric Ideas with some fantastic guests. We have such a great lineup ahead, and I'm just really excited to share. So today's guest is Amanda Hinman. She is certified in applied functional medicine. She's also an integrative nutrition health coach, and she has a super, super deep specialization in helping women who are struggling to balance their hormones. And she says this might show up as exhaustion and some of her natural solutions often just give women a sense of empowerment and energy back into their day so they can show up as their best self for their careers and family. Amanda is founder of the Hinman Holistic Health Institute, where she and her team have helped hundreds of women reclaim their health, including many women who were struggling with autoimmune conditions. I know all of us want to start the new year off right, feeling empowered with our health, feeling replenished. So I'm so glad you're here. I know you're going to learn a lot from this episode. Let's dive in. All right, Amanda, welcome to the show. Thank you, Wendy. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm thrilled to have you here because I feel like hormone conversations are swirling around me and I need an expert to ask all the questions to because it gets complicated and overwhelming really quickly. (laughs) Yes, it definitely is. And I feel like, you know, for so many of us women, this is an area where we start to inevitably experience some shifts and some changes in our body. And and then there's a whole bunch of questions that come up. So I'm happy that we're going to have this exploration together. Good. All the questions. So this is going to be basic for some people, But I really want my listeners to be on the same page with just a little defining. And so I'd like you to just say what your definition of hormones are and give us a general sense of the main systems in a woman's body they impact. Yes. Okay. So typically when focusing on women's hormone health in particular, I like to look at six primary hormones. And and many of these you probably have heard before. Some of them may be more familiar than others, but the first one is cortisol, right? We tend to think of cortisol as the stress hormone, and it absolutely is the hormone that's responsible for kind of turning up the volume on certain systems in our bodies. I think of cortisol as an amplifier to increase your alertness, to elevate your heart rate and kind of get that blood pumping a little bit more to have you be ready to quote unquote, fight or fight or flee, right? That stress response, it it really prepares the body to be in action. And that's a super useful hormone, especially when we think about waking up and starting your day. And the beginning of the, the day is usually when your cortisol levels are highest. So that's the first one, cortisol, stress hormone, if you will. The next one is thyroid hormones and thyroid hormones are very beneficial for helping to regulate body temperature, metabolism, 
a lot of us think about our thyroid health when we think about our weight and whether or not we can release weight or if we hold on to weight. So thyroid has a big role to play in each cell's ability to generate and utilize energy. And in particular, an area that maybe is a little bit less connected with thyroid health is the the overall health and strength of our two largest organs, our brain and our heart. So thyroid health and thyroid balance is really helpful to keep the body going and keep it working. Next, we have estrogen, right? Estrogen is a very common female hormone. We think of that when it comes to reproduction and our menstrual cycles and being able to have kids. Obviously, it has many important factors there. It also plays a role in our bone density and just overall sense of well-being in our, in our life. The counterbalance to estrogen is progesterone. And it's really important that you have that beautiful balance. Estrogen and progesterone fluctuate throughout our menstrual cycle. And then as we near perimenopause age and even into menopause, that's when those balances can shift quite significantly. And many women experience different symptoms that happen when those hormones start to change. Progesterone, I also think is really important to note that it helps to maintain and regulate the thymus gland. And the thymus gland is kind of the master orchestrator of our immune system strength. So when we think about having strong immunity, that is really important to have adequate levels of progesterone. Next, in terms of hormone health is testosterone. And that is kind of the traditional, what you think of as the androgen, the male hormone, but females need testosterone too. And that's really helpful to give us a sense of drive and energy and vitality to retain muscle mass to balance our our muscle and fat storage and to have a a libido, right? A healthy sex drive. And then finally, that sixth one is insulin. Insulin is really critical for balancing blood sugar regulation and energy levels. Insulin is kind of that escort hormone that helps to bring sugar into the cells so that it can be utilized to generate energy. That was an amazing list and so succinctly explained. I just, I have to celebrate you for a moment. I love women who know their stuff just being like, oh yeah, I can answer that with like a perfect list. I, and it's been a long time. It's, it's funny. Cause like you said, all these are familiar in some way to, in some way to me, or I have, you know, but it's been a long time since I, or if ever, I haven't seen them all together and be like, these yeah. are all happening in concert in my body. I just haven't thought of it holistically. Well, and I love that you say that, Whitney, because that's exactly how most of us tend to think about hormones separately, or, you know, maybe we think about our thyroid if we're aware that we have suboptimal thyroid levels, or we may think about insulin if we hear the term pre-diabetic or diabetes, but we don't very often realize how they all truly are a symphony and they are working together and they constantly influence each other. Yeah. So, all right. We've got this symphony of hormones and we know we were now our interest is peaked. We know what they're all, all busy doing. (laughs) So you say that there are lots of things women do every day, oftentimes unknowingly, I think that impact their hormones. What are some of the things that are on the top of that list? Yes. Oh, I love this question. So one of the very first things is how you spend, I would even say the first five to 10 minutes of your morning, your morning minutes, right? And the reason that this is so critical is because when we think about that symphony of hormone regulation and how they're constantly influencing each other, 
there is a kind of an orchestration in the body that happens starting in the hypothalamus, which is in the brain. And the hypothalamus and the pituitary, both located in your brain, will then signal, they kind of pick up kind of like almost like they're the, the watch guards and checking out what is the status of our world? What's the status of this world that I'm living in today? And based on how they interpret the world, whether it's safe, whether it's abundant, whether it's going to be enjoyable and relaxing, or conversely, if those signals are signaling it's panic mode, I am late, I am massively overwhelmed, I have too much I can't handle, I don't have enough nutrition, it's scarce, those are going to start to cascade into our thyroid hormones, into our progesterone levels and estrogen. Everything else is going to kind of swing one way or the other, depending on those first signals from the brain. So when we wake up in those first five minutes, and and it sounds silly, but even just allowing yourself to stay snuggled in your bed an extra few minutes and take some slow, deep breaths, or notice the silkiness on your pillow cover, right? Or when you do rise out of bed, if you kind of just take time, time, time to stretch and feel at ease and feel at peace, that is priming your brain that, hey, life is cool. Life is all a-okay. Things are working on track. Rather than starting this cascade of stress response in the body, because if we wake up feeling like we're behind the eight ball, we're running late, or I've got a to-do list of 10 million things that I'm not going to be able to get through today, or even ruminating about a fight I had or a conversation from yesterday, immediately that sends a different signal to prime the body for an unsafe environment for the day ahead. Loving all of this because I'm a big advocate for morning routine across the board for so many reasons, but now I get to add hormone health yes. <laughs> to the reason, you know, and I literally, again, it just, it makes so much sense when you explain it that way, but I just hadn't reflected on it through the lens of hormone health. So you've got a radiant glow and it's just like very clear to me when people really practice what they preach, it just comes across very naturally. And so we're starting the new year. I think we could all use some inspiration. So I'd love to hear, even if it might be something we need to grow into and reach towards what's your morning routine. What does, what does Amanda do to keep those hormone levels at bay in the morning? Yeah. Thanks for asking. So, and I've had a practice that I've I've been just living for many years now. The very first thing I do, believe it or not, is spend 12 minutes meditating. I don't even get out of my bed. The first thing I do is I hit a a timer on my phone and it just has a natural cadence of like a heartbeat rhythm. So I just focus on returning to my breath, do it laying down. And again, it's that whole idea of just telling my body it's calm, it's safe, it's comfortable. I'm just present with this moment. So I spend 12 minutes meditating. Then I sit up in my bed, kind of grab my journal next to my, that's on my nightstand next to me and start to journal and write out what I think of as morning, you know, just thoughts. It's and it, no, nothing in particular. If I'm having a day where I'm feeling especially grateful, I'm thinking about the things that I'm appreciating or looking forward to or eager about. But, you know, let's be honest, there are many days that I wake up and I'm like, oh, man, I have this thing or I'm worried about this or something happened with my daughter here. And I just start writing all of the things I'm feeling. Today is Monday and I'm feeling and I just let it rip, let whatever is in my mind comes out on paper. And it's really cathartic to see whether it's a positive or negative, what's actually going on in my mind. 
<laughs> and mm -hmm. let it come out because a lot of times when I can see that it is a negative emotion, the next question I ask is, is another thing I talk about is what are the stories that, I, that we're telling ourselves? So if I have a negative emotion, I'll say, I'm feeling overwhelmed because the story I have is, and then I just let it, what, what comes next. So it's kind of like a cleansing process to get to look at it more closely. So spend about 15 minutes just writing, getting, getting thoughts out on paper, sometimes practicing appreciation. But like I said, sometimes it's just getting all the gunk out and kind of doing like a cleansing type of a thing. Mm -hmm. Then I like to do about five sun salutations. So next to my bed, just stretching, moving my spine, moving my body, kind of get that blood flowing. Then I go downstairs, grab a cup of hot, or I warm up a pot of hot water. So it's warm water with apple cider vinegar, about a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in 10 ounces of water or so that helps to stimulate digestive fluids and, and secretions. And then go for a walk, even in the, and I live in Chicago, so it's pretty cold, but get some fresh air and get some, you know, some movement again outside for just around the block. I usually take my dog out for a walk. So that's usually like the first 30 minutes of my morning. Thank you for sharing that because I, I think one thing I've learned across electric ideas and talking to people is that sometimes we can't be too rigid and we have to evolve and just hearing what other people do sometimes gives us a new sense of possibility, like, oh, okay, this has been serving me, but maybe it's fizzled a little and it's okay to shift and expand and add and subtract. So thank yeah. you. I'm sure you've inspired many people there. <laughs> Good. Yes. Okay. So our morning minutes, and you gave us a beautiful example of some things we might want to try on for size. Love mm -hmm. that. What else is impacting our homeowners day to day? day to day. So the next thing is your morning makeup routine, a really mm. skincare routine, right? So again, this is a study that has shown that the average woman puts on about 12 products a day at some point throughout the day. And that contain an average of 168 chemicals. Now it may or may vary obviously person to person, but in general, our skin is like a giant mouth. And you may have heard that before, but it's it's different when we think about actually taking a spoonful of our foundation or our lotion. And would we want to eat that? Not even from a taste perspective, but just from what's in it perspective, would we want to eat that? And believe it or not, there's actually a more protective processes because it goes through your digestive system to the things that you eat than the things that you put on your skin because it gets absorbed right directly into the body. So being mindful of some of the ingredients in your, just your morning routine, right? So whether it be the toothpaste, the deodorant, the makeup, the shampoo, and it, it's not about overwhelm, but just starting to become aware of what are some of the options. And maybe if I switched out two of them for an all natural or a less toxic version, that can go a long way when it's something that you're using repeatedly daily for many months or weeks or years even. Yeah, this is something that I actually stretching into the new year am trying to be mindful of. And I am trying to avoid the overwhelm of, oh my gosh, I need to like <laughs> spend all, you know, because it's like some women just have like a safety in their routine and it is like fast and they know it and they know their products. And it's, so that's a big change. And the cost and just like the, it can feel alarming, you know, alarming. it can feel, and I don't ever want to be, a fear monger, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm very sensitive to that, but 
I think like maybe just starting. So my thing is I'm going to use what I have. And as things run out, I'm going to look for maybe alternative to replace it. So then it feels like, oh, okay, this is an opportunity to one at a time really hone in so that's that you can hold me to the fire if we talk soon but you know that's kind of what my don't freak out plan has been (laughs) what do you think of that that, and it's so true because the reality is it's it's it is overwhelming and I think of overwhelm as a toxin right the last thing you want to do is massively (laughs) stress yourself out about you know all these changes that have to be made and then you're likely to not execute want to kick the cortisol up right just learn about that that's going to be counterproductive Here's here's what I here's what I offer, and this is what we do for many of our clients that we support. Is we kind of give them a checklist of like these are the the top most common things. You know, your deodorant, your shampoo, your makeup. These are the most common areas of exposure that you have repeatedly over and over and over. And just kind of start to put what are the current brands that you use. And if I were to start to move, the first step is identifying where would I move to. Where, what would I like to replace it with or try to see if I like that product, the, you know, the performance of that product in the same way. And even the process of starting to know what you would be interested in as an option gets you that much closer to the next time buying it, right? Because a lot of times we just stop because we haven't done, we, we don't even know where to start. I don't know what the next plan is. I don't know what that would look like or where would I find it and all that stuff. So it's almost like break it down into steps of first identifying like, what are the options that I have? what are some things that may be a next step of improvement down the road, right? To give that list. And we have a whole, we have a whole database. In fact, I recommend the environmental working groups website, ewg.org has a great resource for finding clean, non-toxic natural products. Well, and even as a first step to that product, even logging, because I've got all kinds of stuff that I sub in and sub out. And I, you know, just even making a list, like you said, and and starting with the awareness piece of, oh boy, okay, this is how many products, this is what I'm using over the course of the week. And then flipping it over and just having a little bit of a real moment of like, okay, this is like what's in there. And this is, so I like that just awareness. So you at least are informed and you're not just in the habit of slathering something on without even realizing what you're doing. So I like that. Okay. Because I'm in this space and I'm, I'm trying to slowly make the (laughs) not overwhelmed leap. If you were going to gift a few of your best girlfriends, a nice, you know, cosmetics area gift, what are a couple of brands that you would feel like awesome about giving to someone else? So I'd like honest companies, lotions and moisturizers. So that's a great brand. And there's several different deodorant options, but Think Magnesium, Think brand has a magnesium deodorant that I think is good. Those are two ones in particular that we tend to put on daily or frequently, right? Mm -hmm, So so mm -hmm. those would be two great options I would suggest to look at. All right, good. That'll make it even close the gap. We've got something that we can just try on our sub out process. Okay. All right. So we've got morning minutes. We've added our makeup or cosmetic or whatever personal care routine we have. Tell me more because I know there's so much more in terms of things we're doing daily that maybe interfering with our optimal hormones. Yeah. The next one is breathing breaks, right? So again, we all have heard the saying, but I think it lands even more potently when you have an awareness of just how critical it is. Oxygen is a cofactor 
in eight different steps of the citric acid cycle. Citric acid is this, the cycle is the one the cycle that generates what's called ATP, a unit of energy. So for every single cell in your body, and there are literally millions and millions of ATP units that are needed to be generated every single day just to run your body, right? Because there's so many things happening all the time that we don't even think about. So in that cycle, it, it requires oxygen to work well. And that means taking the time to do breathing breaks, right? Just like we did, Whitney, before this start of this, this recording is so important because oftentimes we don't realize just living our day and kind of being unconscious to breathing. It happens all the time. You don't have to think about it because it has to keep you alive. But when you don't think about it, oftentimes you do short, shallow breaths that aren't truly providing the level of oxygen that would be optimal. So how do we know if we're breathing properly? What should it feel like? Definitely notice a change in your abdomen. So feeling and being aware of your abdomen expanding and contracting. And one little test that I'd love to share is called the control pause test. This is something that you can do just to kind of, again, create that awareness, right? In terms of your body's ability to bring on board oxygen. So the control pause test, I'll explain it. And then, you know, listeners can do this at their own time, but essentially you just breathe naturally as you normally would. Then you inhale completely, exhale. And when you exhale, you want to plug your nose and start to count every second. So one, two, three, and just see how high you can count before you feel the inclination to unplug your nose and take another breath in. So this isn't like a huge, big <gasps> holding my breath. It's more just like I'm, I'm breathing as I normally would, but I fully exhale and then plug my nose and count. If you ideally can get, I mean, most people find that to get around 15 to 18 or so is pretty common. It's considered suboptimal breathing function, anything below 25. And we mm. want to be able to get to 30 just on a normal cadence of breath. So it's a, it's a good test. The control pause test is where you intentionally pause your breathing and see how long you can comfortably hold that before you need to inhale again. That's a good test. And I, I agree. It fuels you. I, this is making me think that I'm such a visual learner and I'm laughing because I'm taking all these like huge deep breaths. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, as soon as you think about it, yeah, you deeper, right? <laughs> but actually someone, a, a singer who I know told me if your kids are upset at night, which, you know, you're a mother too, like it all comes out to, yep. to tell them to picture their favorite books stacked on their belly. Mm-hmm. And make sure they're like lifting those books. And it's, it's interesting. Sometimes just like something small like that can make it click. So yeah. I just wanted to share that. I love that. Exactly. It's because it's, it's having you focus on the, the extension of the abdomen and the contraction. Yeah. Okay. So we've added breathing, anything else that we should be thinking about from a day-to-day perspective? Yeah. So two more things I like to share. Okay. So another one is eating hygiene. And this is different from, I mean, obviously we, we talk about the importance of having nutrient dense, real whole foods in our, in our regular eating routine, but different from that, it's really the experience of eating and some of the behaviors around eating. So in particular, digestion starts in the mouth with how well you are chewing your food. 
And I like to give the almond test to my clients. So take two, two almonds and eat them like you normally would, and then try it again, but chew those almonds 25 times. And you will notice usually a massive change in the consistency when you chew it effectively, because your saliva and your teeth are really meant to do a lot of the digestive process for us. But so often we don't even realize it. We swallow big clumps. Food is still not nearly liquefied and it's going down the esophagus into the stomach. Well, that just means that our digestive process has a lot more work to do in order to access the nutrients that they need to fuel ourselves. So when we think about boosting our energy levels, one of the ways we can boost our energy levels is to help by doing some of the heavy lifting for our digestive system by using our teeth and chewing thoroughly. I love that perspective because I feel like I'm aware of mindful eating and and that practice, but this just gives me another way of looking at it in terms of really I'm causing my body to do a lot more work in areas that it wasn't intended to by, you know, (laughs) yeah, scarfing down that (laughs) dinner. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's like you want to be an ally with your body, right? Yeah. Give it a little lift. And the other thing too is, so again, with digestion is the power of the strength of our stomach acid levels. And I cannot tell you how common it's, it's normally after age 40, it's, it's naturally that the strength of our stomach acid starts to diminish. But oftentimes I see this even for women who believe that they have too high of stomach acid because they have acid reflux or feel full fast after eating or discomfort. And they'll take, you know, Tums over the, over the counter medication, or even a proton pump inhibitor medication, when usually it's actually a result of suboptimally low stomach acid level. It's not strong enough to digest Mm. the food. And so it's not signaling that, that pyloric sphincter at the top of your esophagus to close. So the stomach acid bubbles up into the wrong area because it doesn't have adequate signaling. So the reason I'm saying stomach acid strength, in addition to chewing, spacing out liquid consumption. So we know it's really important to hydrate. I typically love to suggest at least 80 ounces or so per day of clean water. Yet, if you can plan on hydrating away from mealtime, that is going to serve you well. Because if you drink a whole lot at the same time, you're trying to break apart and digest the food, you really significantly diluted the strength of your stomach acid. So we want to think about, you know, maybe four or five ounces of liquid within the hour before and after, you know, like 20, 30 minutes before, 20, 30 minutes after and the time that you're eating within that whole mealtime frame. But then outside of those times, you want to consume and hydrate the bulk of your liquid. This is definitely something that I'm going to have to try. I, you know, you'd mentioned something. I'm so glad that you're bringing this up because I'm going to put this to practice because especially when I go out to eat, I feel like it's all the free water and I'm just like, yeah, just oh my God, pouring. I'm crushing my hydration. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had like three glasses of water. I'm so, I'm just shining, you know, and that, that's just something I'm going to have to really think about. I'm going to have to focus on drinking water <laughs> during my off time on my non meal times a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that. I think that that's going to be new for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. 
All right. You said you had one more. So yeah, I think, right? One, yeah, the <laughs> last one is, and it kind of circles back around to where I started with the whole idea of starting and signaling to your body in the morning that you live in a safe and calm, abundant world. But it's the stories that we tell ourselves simply because so much of hormone action starts with the signals in our brain, both in the hypothalamus and the pituitary gland. And oftentimes we can get into a spin cycle without even really realizing it because we're upset about something or frustrated or feel resentful or feel guilty or feel shame. Like, you know, as women, we tend to be really, we're our own worst critics sometimes. So being aware of the stories that you have, if I feel guilty because the story I'm telling myself is I shouldn't have eaten that cookie last night. Well, guess what? Now thinking about that and sitting in that isn't helping you. It's okay. You're human. Like it, it, we all do it. And the faster that I can have loving grace and acceptance, the faster I can get out of that cortisol stress response and rebalance my hormones. Now. That's a powerful shift. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that wonderful list. I know that's going to give women so much to think about. We're coming up against time, but I just given the time of year that (laughs) this is going to be shared in, I know that with the new year, there's this little bit of feeling of like, ugh, I got out of my rhythms. I feel bloated. I've overindulged and we all do. And it's fun. And I know that fasts are kind of all the rage and I've heard different takes. You're somebody I like, no trust. And I feel like I would like your take on if, if, and when it's safe to do and what kind of fast you'd recommend, if any. Great question. And it is definitely a very popular topic in January for sure. So fasting can be super beneficial for some people. However, it can actually be counterproductive for many women as well too. So one of the most important things is to make sure that your body's ability to detoxify is effective because oftentimes with a fast, we're intentionally kind of pulling out some of the toxins or extra waste in the body, which, which makes sense. And that's great to do, assuming that we have the systems and the plumbing set up to move them effectively out of the body. I have unfortunately seen a number of times where women have taken a green smoothie fast or, or, or gone on a certain protocol and with the intention of releasing weight or kind of getting rid of the bloating. And it really caused a inflammatory storm in their body because now it released a whole bunch of trapped toxins and inflammation that the body wasn't coming from a place of strength to handle. So I think fasts and kind of detoxification can be really strong, but maybe in preparation for that, make sure you're coming from a place of strength. So you're practicing your morning minutes, right? You're doing your breathing exercises. You've gotten some movement, some activity. You've been eating some real whole foods for a period of at least three to four weeks before you go into say, okay, now I want to expunge the body of all of this stuff and get rid of it. So again, it's a little counterintuitive when we're coming up the holidays, especially if we're feeling like, oh, we just kind of let everything fall off. And now I want to get back on track. That may not be the best time to turn up the volume on your detoxification systems. That makes a lot of sense. I just want to echo that back to you to make sure I've got it. Cause you know, I do think it's, it's kind of like, I joke sometimes with my husband, like he'll like be like, Oh, maybe we should do one of those, one of your fasts, you know, (laughs) because he's done a juice pass with me at some point once five years ago or something, but it'll be after like 
the day after Thanksgiving or something. And you're just, I, I just want to echo this back for my own clarity that you're saying that that might not be the time to go from like, uh, you know, some pretty high overindulgence eating outside of our normal routine, maybe richer foods that are fun to enjoy on a like time to time. Mm-hmm. So your recommendation would be to more stabilize our normal clean eating routine in whatever is a comfortable way that works for us. And then it almost seems like the fast would be a cherry on top. But in my mind, the way you're saying it's something that's clicking for me is it actually might even be more effective just fasting in general, because most people probably don't fast when they're feeling good. Yes. <laughs> you know, well, that's, and that's actually, that's the irony is that's actually probably when it's going to be more of an optimization component as opposed to a, Oh, I need to massively reset. Mm-hmm. Component. Mm-hmm. But you, 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 you summarized it great. Cause it's when you're coming almost from a place of stabilization and strength, your body is well-equipped to handle that extra removal versus mm-hmm. if you're coming from a place of weakness, it can cause a yo-yo effect. Like you mm-hmm. may see some short-term changes, especially in weight. However, it's, it may be harder to then sustain it because you kind of turned up the dial on inflammation. Mm-hmm. All right. That No, that's a shift for me. I'm not going to call it a reset. I'm going to think of a different word now. I like that. All right. Wonderful. Well, we are up against time, but I always end my conversations with the same question. And that's what's one question women should be asking themselves more. What did I do that worked well today? I think I like we get that. to pat ourselves on the back and acknowledge what we do do every single day more often. I like that. Thank you so much for joining us. You obviously are here to drop all of the hormone knowledge bombs. So why don't you let us know where everybody can find you and learn more and connect with you in your community? Yes, absolutely. The best way to find me is on Facebook or Instagram. Instagram is Hinman Amanda. And my website is HinmanHolistic.com. And I'm happy to share, Whitney, if it feels like it would be a benefit support for any of your listeners, a short little downloadable training on three steps to decrease bloating in five days. So if that Uh seems like something that could be helpful, I'll definitely share the link for you. (laughs) Please do. The timing is right. I'm sure you'll have some, some people flocking to that. I'd love to share that out. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at at Whitney Woman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.